0: Trick some just begun, I'm giving you more when you only want one, but I know what I am, they know what they are, so let me be. I know what I am, Band of Skulls. This week, I'm bringing you a direct link to those, as seen on TV nights, wherein a bunch of friends would gather around a fire and tell their own spooky tales. This episode is composed of stories gathered from friends who were kind enough to share their stories with me, so, submitted for their approval... I call this episode, friend Oween ween 2020. Karen writes in with, We were in Vegas for a friend's birthday a few years back, and Kyle and I got our own hotel room for the night. As I slept in that room, I had a dream where I felt that Kyle was in danger, possibly even dead. There was a strange blonde-haired girl in the room and I kept asking her, where's Kyle, is he okay? She said he's fine, he moved, remember? He said he was going to move, he's gone now. It didn't make any sense to me. I knew he wouldn't leave without saying goodbye—not to me, not to his family—but the blonde kept arguing with me, telling me he was okay and not to worry about it. She kept using the phrase, he's gone. I left the room and found a hot cup of tea and a balcony to sit on and try to think it out. Eventually I realized I was dreaming and I needed to wake up. Even though I knew I was asleep, I couldn't force myself awake, so I started to panic. I could see the blonde-haired girl from the hotel room window look up at me and I watched as her nails grew into spikes. She began climbing up the side of the window at an impossible speed. I screamed and threw my tea in her face and bolted inside. I threw everything I could get my hands on and woke up just before she reached me, and even though I was awake, I still felt uneasy. I kept looking at one corner of the room in particular. Something about it was making me uncomfortable. I never managed to drift completely back to sleep. We left that next day, and while we were on the road out of Vegas, Kyle began talking about how poorly he slept. He started describing the dream that he was struggling with. He described a blonde-haired girl, the same one from my dream. He said she kept saying, you have to come with me. You must come with me. You said you'd come with me, remember? She wouldn't leave him alone. He had felt uncomfortable, like he knew he was going to be attacked. When he woke up, he couldn't fall back asleep either. Something about a particular corner of the room was making him feel uncomfortable. Kim suggested I use the following story. When we lived in Vegas when I was young, there was a particular part of one of the walls that had a faint black horizontal line that we couldn't seem to clean. While my mother would never admit it, there were actually a lot of strange things about that house. Whenever something would happen, my dad would just say, nope, and continue to deny it. I think he just didn't want to scare my mom. I would often see strange things out of the corners of my eyes, things moving between rooms and halls or at the top of stairs. We'd hear things from time to time as well, like the laughter of children. Every time after we'd hear them, we'd have to clean up those long black lines, the kind left behind by kids who would drag their hands across the wall. Chaz shared with me, That night was a strange one. After N and I had settled our disputes, coming to a mutual agreement, we went to sleep. I woke up in a panic to the sound of heavy footsteps directly above me. It was 3 a.m., and the next-door neighbors were usually awake at this time, but they didn't walk around this early in the morning. Something in my head was telling me to go upstairs. Go upstairs. Go upstairs. I was afraid to. Something was up there, and it wasn't happy. Eventually, I mustered the courage to go. I crossed the creepy laundry anteroom and then walked up the stairs using my phone as a flashlight. As I stepped onto the landing, it almost seemed darker than usual, and I immediately got chills. I turned towards where I assumed the footsteps were coming from, and when I got into the living room, I looked around to see nothing, not even any of the cats. On the ottoman was a stack of notebook papers that had been left from earlier conversations in the day. The windows were open, but there wasn't even a breeze. I popped a cigarette in my mouth and opened the door. I lit it and took a few drags before I said anything. I don't know what you are, but you're not welcome here. Please leave. Silence followed, not a sound. Louder, I said, You're not welcome here. Please get out of my house. This time, I felt a little shiver deep inside of me. A piece of notebook paper fell lightly to the floor. Panic began to rise inside of me and suddenly leapt out of my throat. Get out of my house. Heavy footsteps walked towards me. I tensed as each step got louder and closer. I could feel something looking at me with an angry stare. I was terrified. I took a deep drag when the footsteps stopped before me. Something pushed me against the wall with a slight amount of force. The sensation was pressure on my chest in the form of a hand twice as big as my own. I brought my own hand to my chest and it went cold. I exhaled smoke as the footsteps went outside. As soon as it was gone, I felt completely calm. I put out my cigarette, closed the door, and went back to sleep. I dreamt I was in my bedroom, filled with fear, looking out the window over the front yard. Since I was in the basement, my eyes were level with the grass. I watched the truck pull up and watched a few heavy-set men exit and walk into my house uninvited. I heard heavy footsteps approach the stairwell and I got out to meet them. When I entered the laundry anteroom, a large man with a bright green shirt and sunken eye sockets with beady black eyes stood before me, pointing an accusatory finger. Do you know who I am? I put up my arms in defense. Do you know who I am? I shot awake in terror, breathing heavily. My phone was receiving a call from a number that was all zeros. I answered the phone and waited in silence for about 20 seconds. A feminine voice said goodbye before the call ended abruptly. It terrified me, and I laid down next to N to calm myself. Chani shares, I had run away for all the reasons a teenage girl might run away from her stepfather, except that worst one. He was a dick with a capital D, but not like that. This wasn't an attempt to run away and start a new life. I just needed to get some air, maybe stay out of the house until mom was back from her business trip. My usual habit when things got this bad was to wander around town until it was time to get ready for school. That night, I decided to switch it up. Instead of wandering into town, I was going to walk Lund Highway, cut up Mid Valley Road, and head back towards the town on Minersville Highway. I knew the roads flat, straight, mostly lined with irrigation ditches and wire fences that separated the road from the alfalfa fields and cow pastures. It was a warm, dry night, the sky was clear, and the moon was waxing and bright. It was only a few miles, and I figured I would be fine. A few cars passed me going the opposite direction on their way into town from the local paper factory, but after I passed the factory, I had the road to myself. I walked fast so it didn't take long to get away from the lights of the city. I grew up on a farm, and I learned the difference between the normal shuffling and the soft noises of peacefully sleeping livestock, and the noises they make when there's a predator and they're scared. That night, when I got to the pastures, the cattle were scared. So I was scared. Coyotes and mountain lions were a common problem, and it wasn't completely unheard of for a bear to make an appearance either. I didn't stand a chance against any of those options. I was at the midpoint, so turning around wouldn't make any difference. If something was going to happen, it was going to happen before I could get anywhere. I decided to keep going. That's when it got weird. Like I said, Lund is flat and straight, and the moon gave me good visibility. I could see a long way down the road ahead of me, so when I saw the footprints crossing the road, it was a surprise. A single set of giant footprints, big enough that if I curled up, I could have fit most of my body inside. I wasn't a small 16-year-old either. I reached down and touched one, and my hand came away wet and muddy. At first, I thought it was a prank. Some teenage idiot out at night making giant footprints across the road. I kept walking, but the more I thought about it, the less that made sense. For how dry the night was, and how good the visibility... I would have seen them. If they were far enough away that I couldn't, it was still warm enough that the footprints would have dried up before I got there. And why would anybody be putting giant footprints on the road that would evaporate before anybody saw them? At the point when logic and skepticism were failing to come up with a better explanation, I looked down again. The road ahead of me was covered in footprints, crisscrossing the highway over and over, dozens of lines. The cattle in the fields to either side of me were making nervous noises in the dark. I felt cold in the warm air. I called Chris. Somebody needed to know where I was and what was happening in case nobody ever saw me again. My old Nokia phone was almost out of batteries, so the phone call had to be brief in case I needed to call again. I hung up. I kept walking. Eventually, a truck showed up. I don't actually remember seeing it from a distance like I should have, but I was looking over my shoulder frequently and scared out of my mind, so missing something like that could be explained. What I can explain was that even though the truck's headlights were the brightest light on the road, I could see the truck behind them perfectly, like there was a light shining on it, too. It didn't seem important at the time, but it stuck in my brain. I can still picture it crystal clear. It was an old truck with the rounded edges that were popular in the 1950s. It was originally a dark green, but had been faded under the sun until it was dusty and pale. The truck pulled over, and the driver rolled down the window. A teenage boy with short brown hair, acne, and a black turtleneck shirt leaned out and asked me if I wanted a ride. I said yes. I knew accepting rides from strangers, in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the night, isn't a great plan, but I needed to get off that road. I got in the cab. It had a bench seat covered with an old woven blanket. He asked me where to. I asked him to take me to the intersection of Mid Valley and Minersville. He asked if I was sure, and I was. I'd get in his car, but I wasn't about to tell him where I lived. He turned the truck around and asked me for my name. I gave him my middle name. He told me he lived just down the road and pointed down Lund Highway. I used to live down that way. There were five houses down Lund Highway and I knew everyone who lived in them. He was not one of them. I didn't question him. He took me to where I had asked, pulled over onto the gravel shoulder and let me out. He asked me again if I wanted him to take me home. And I said no, but I did thank him for the ride. I turned around and started walking Minersville towards town. I took maybe fifteen steps, and then I heard a loud bang, like an engine backfiring. I turned around and the truck was gone. I didn't hear it pull out of the gravel on the shoulder. There was nothing obscuring my view of either road for quite a ways in any direction, so I should have still been able to see it, but it was just… gone. R submits, I used to fight with my boyfriend a lot when I first moved out of my house. We were both sharing our first apartment together, a tiny one bedroom. He was never violent with me, in fact, I did all of the yelling. He would just make me so angry. When I'd get too mad to be around him anymore, I'd get in my car and drive up to my best friend's house. I'll call her B. We'd hang out in her front yard or walk up and down her street until I calmed down. It was the street with the old brick house they had moved next to the museum. In fact, they had just moved it a few weeks before this happened, and we were standing near the torn up lot. A loud, hollow-sounding thud in the street made us both jump and spin around. The only thing that seemed out of place was a single brick about a foot away from the sidewalk on the opposite end of the street. I swear I saw it move when I turned. It's how I even noticed it with all the dirt from the construction. B wanted a souvenir from the old house and decided to take it with us on our walk. It was small, missing a corner, and had a piece of the old mortar that looked like a thumbs-up. Our usual route took us up a few blocks to a park on Main Street, It was there that Bee set the brick down on a bench as we sat and talked for what felt like an hour. We were on our way back, walking past the empty lot when Bee exclaimed, ''Oh no! My brick! I must have left it at the..." But before she could finish, there was another hollow-sounding thud on the street. There was another brick in the road. This one definitely hadn't been there before. I grabbed Bee's arm and told her not to touch it, but she wiggled out and picked it up, but she immediately dropped it and ran back over to me. She grabbed onto my arm this time and pulled me in the direction of her house. When we got to the yard, she looked at me with tears in her eyes and choked out. It was the same brick.